Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. So uh, I've, always, I've taught on angels in the past, and, um, but as I really started digging into it this time, man, I, I finished up today and I'm like, this, we're going to need a couple of weeks if I really want to cover this thing. So I, I don't exactly know how we're going to do it, and I, I don't want to bore you either. And, uh, but if you really start digging, man, there's so much um, to say about it, and, and uh, Scripture is so rich on the topic, you know. And I think what I want to achieve with this or what I would like to, you know, is it's just better understanding uh, about the angelic realm. Um, obviously, it's, you know, there are servants of the Lord and there are servants of us. And we're going to talk through a lot of scripture and, and so on. They're amazing beings. But, um, you know, they're still, uh, they're not God. And obviously, they, you know, they have a certain function. And to keep things in perspective is super important that, that they don't, you know, that we don't put them on a pedestal in some way or the focus don't go to the wrong way. So, so obviously there's two errors that, that can happen in this. The one is that we overemphasize the angelic and it becomes a weird thing where even angel worship, you know, streams out of that. And obviously that's not what we're after at all. So they, it, it can go in a negative direction in that sense. But I think the other error is not giving attention to them at all either, which I also think is stupid, you know. So it's kind of both ways. Uh, that is foolish and, and, to, and to find a middle road on it. And the amazing thing is, I mean, we all know the famous, um, you know, the famous principal, Bill Johnson, or, you know, whoever the guys at Bethel were at that point, I think it was Bill, uh, that taught on the principle of honor. You guys know that, right? Um, basically out of Ephesians 6, verse, verse 2, I think, and also out of the law, that says that if you honor your parents, that you will be blessed with long life, right? And that principle was that what you can honor uh, that is released over your life. And, and it's the same with heavenly stuff. So when we acknowledge the angelic, when we acknowledge that realm, uh, it starts opening up um, over our lives. And, it, and it's actually like an invitation because we respect and we honor that realm uh, without placing a weird emphasis on it. But uh, as we do that, it actually opens up things over our own lives, which I think is really important and really powerful. So... So what I want to do is I actually, I really want to teach a little bit on this. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to bore you, but, but there's a lot of scripture uh, around this topic. And what my goal is, is to really give a solid scriptural foundation of everything that I'm going to share. Obviously, we'll talk about experiences and stuff like that at some point, but, but it really it's too much for one night. So we'll see where we end up. Uh, but the, the main thing is I actually want to show you just out of Scripture, it is so rich, uh, you know, the, the encounters with, with angels in Scripture even. And, you know, there's, more, there's approximately 400 mentions uh, of angels in the Bible, which is phenomenal. It's, it's a crazy amount. I mean, just in the New Testament, there's 170 times that angels are mentioned. So it's not like it's a, it's a small topic in the Bible. Jesus mentioned angels almost more than anybody else, uh, to be honest. You know, see, if you look at the Gospels, there are plenty of times where the angels are mentioned or he speaks about the angels or their function and so on. So it it's really is a rich, rich topic in the Bible. And, and in a supernatural setting, uh, what I've personally found is when, when I started 
opening up to that realm a little bit more or you know, whatever language you want to use, opening up or getting more understanding. I don't really know. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, but as I got more understanding, there definitely came a shift for me personally uh, when it came uh, in the area of, of, of healings and, and specifically miracle signs and wonders. I definitely saw a shift in my, in my personal ministry or life, however you want to see it, uh, uh, when we started honoring those things and when we started inviting it into our world. So it definitely is a big deal. Uh, but it's not the biggest deal, but it's good to talk about it so that we have a good biblical basis and balance as, as, we, look upon, as we look at it. Like I said, Jesus mentioned it a lot. You know, Jesus received ministry from angels, right? Matthew 4, verse 11, just after, the, you know, he did the 40-day fast and, and after his time where he was tested by the enemy, Matthew 4, 11, he, he received ministry from angels. Uh, he received ministry from angels in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, verse 43. Uh, where he started sweating blood and, uh, you know, the whole thing. And angels came and they ministered unto him. Um, angels were ready to, to deliver Jesus. You know, he said that to, um, to the leaders, to Pilate and those guys in Matthew 26, uh, verse 53. He said, listen, don't you think if I ask my father that he will, re you know, release the chariots and I can be out of here in a minute? Um, you know, so, so angels played a big role. You know, he said, he said to Nathaniel in John 1, he said, listen, you thought you saw something now. You haven't seen anything yet. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You know, so he was kind of saying, listen, it's, it's here. It's going to happen. Uh, the angelic is part of this whole thing. Um, uh, you know, he actually saw it. Uh, it's interesting what Jesus says. He says, when you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my Father and the holy angels in heaven. That's Luke 12, uh, verse 8 to 9. So, uh, you know, Jesus thought it's something to be honored before the angels as well, because, I mean, he didn't just say, I'm going to honor you before the Father, which would be enough, of course, but he actually makes specific mention about the fact that you'll be honored before the holy angels as well, which is a pretty big deal, I think, for him to actually say that. So, and that's just if you look at the life of Jesus, you know, just some things that he said. I mean, then he speaks about judgment and he speaks about the sifting, you know, the weeds and the tares. He speaks about goat nations and sheep nations and how the angels will help to gather. Uh, you know, when he, when he returns, angels will come and the trumpets will blow. And so, I mean, all throughout scripture, uh, you see this picture of this accompaniment of, of angels with Jesus and, you know, men of God throughout the Bible. Uh, one of the biggest, a good picture for me always is a guy once said like, you never see a king arrive without an entourage, am I right? So when a king shows up, he usually has an entourage. The same with Jesus, and that's, that's angels. It's the angelic realm that, that accompanies him uh, as he walks into places and as he makes himself known. So that's just a little bit of a background on, on Jesus. So I want to speak to you tonight mainly. We'll see how far we get about the origin and the nature of angels and a lot of this stuff might not be new to you at all, but maybe it's just a refresher. And um, I think it should encourage you and maybe just remind you a little bit of what we're dealing with. So, so first of all, uh, all angels were created, right? So, so you know that all angels are created beings, uh, according to Colossians 1 verse 16, where it says, For by him all things were created, Colossians 1 16. Uh, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created 
and exist through him. That is by his activity and for him. So we know that that's not news to you, that everything was created, were created by him. Things in heaven, things on the earth, visible, invisible, spirit realm, natural realm, everything finds its origin um, in God and, and in Jesus. Through Jesus, everything were created. So, so everything found its beginning in him. And uh, so just keep in mind that angels are created beings just like we are created beings, right? Uh, and it's important to keep that at the back of your mind. Angels were created before creation, the creation we know of, right? Uh, if you look at the book of Job, uh, which many believe is the oldest book in the Bible, uh, Job uh, chapter 38, verse 4 to 7, uh, where God starts questioning Job, which is uh, it's actually such powerful chapters, those last ones. We just see kind of God just asking him all these questions uh, like these ones. And he goes, Job, where, uh, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know and have understanding. And obviously the answer is, I don't know, right? For Job, it's just like, where were you? Well, not there, okay? Um, who determined the, me the measurements of the earth, if you know? Or who stretched the measuring line on it? On what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, the angels, shouted for joy, right? So the, the point that you see, because often in, in the Old Testament, you'll see, especially in the books of Job and pre-fall, uh, you'll see mention made of the sons of God. In that context, that speaks of, of angels, right? So he's trying to say, God is saying to Job, listen, when, before everything was created, the angels were there. When everything was created, the angels were already there. Now, you should know that, and I'm sure you do, obviously, because... When God gave the commission to Adam to say, listen, have dominion and rule and multiply and subdue creation, there was something to have dominion over, right? Uh, Satan already fell by the time that the command was given. Otherwise, you know, the, the command doesn't make sense. So, so I mean, that's, that's a whole different topic when you start thinking about all of these things. But, but obviously there was something to conquer, you know, at that point in Genesis chapter 2. Otherwise... You know, what, what did they have to, why, did, why do you have dominion over? What are you supposed to have dominion, right? You know, you know, it doesn't really make sense. You have dominion over creation, but what did you have to conquer? So, so obviously those things already existed. So the angels existed before the creation, and that's what you see in this place. So, so angels have a longer history than us. Let's put it like that, right? So they have a little bit of a longer shelf life than, than what we do. Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, another thing about the angelic is that, uh, so obviously they're spirit beings. You know, if you look at Hebrews 1 verse 7, uh, and that's quoting Psalm 104, it says, And about his angels, he says, I make my angels swift winds and my ministers um, fiery flames. Right? So, so you can see this is a, they are spiritual beings. They're made of a different material than we are. <laughs> In essence, although our spirits and their spirits are the same because it's the same spirit that made all of it, but they have a different form that they come with. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind that they come from a different space. They come from a different realm. Uh, although we have the same source and it's God, but they, they are, they're a different matter, uh, if I can put it like that, that they are created of. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, 
the other thing about angels is that they walk in incredible glory and beauty, right? They, they are magnificent beings. And, and that's, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, there's plenty of scriptures that you can see about that, but I'm going to use one that actually speaks of Lucifer, uh, which, uh, you know, don't get rattled. But if you look at Ezekiel 28 uh, and Isaiah 14, it's a description of, of who Satan was before he fell, which is actually... It's quite phenomenal if you read that because you get insight into a place in heaven before sin existed, right? And you, and you actually see how glorious all these beings were. He was one of them. Uh, and in a certain way, that should also encourage us. If you think about it, always keep in mind that Satan is, is an angel, a fallen one, but, but he's just an angel, right? So you understand that there, he has... It, He's not even, even in the same weight class as God. So you need to keep that in mind. It, it's, it's like different creatures. They're not even on the same playing field, right? So remember, you've got the all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent, om, omnipresent God, right? Which is Jesus and the Father that we worship and the Holy Spirit. And then he created angels. And one of them happened to be Lucifer. So do you understand? It's like a heavyweight walking in against like a super lightweight that's kind of you have to understand they're not it's not in the same ring that they're contesting it although he is a powerful being just always keep that in mind you know because what's amazing is once you start speaking about angels you actually discover a lot about the enemy as well which is not the focus ever but it's just interesting because you're going to discover things about him that you probably didn't know and um, but they are magnificent beings right the ones that are still holy and that didn't fall with him um, Ezekiel 28, it, it says the following. Um, I didn't say what, but Ezekiel 28 verse 12, I didn't quote it here. Uh, but it speaks about how, how Satan or, or the cherubim, the angel, he said he had the full measure of perfection, perfect in beauty, blameless in character, and he was filled with wisdom. So that's a picture of an angel and that gives us a picture of angels as well. They are really magnificent beings that God created. And they carry a lot of glory, a lot of glory. And that's why it's amazing beings. And it's interesting to learn about them because, you know, they're, they're friends of God. And, and if they're friends of God, they should be friends of ours as well. You know? um, they're also holy, right? Uh, Matthew 25, verse 31, uh, in the King James, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, it's Jesus speaking, and all the holy angels with him, right? So all the holy angels with him. So they are holy beings, right? They are pure. Uh, obviously, we're speaking about the ones that didn't fall. You know, so, so they are pure beings, and they walk in that holiness. They walk in, in the nature and the character of God uh, in many things. Although they manifest his nature, obviously, there's a lot of things that they cannot manifest of God, right? They're not omniscient, they're not omnipotent, and they're not omnipresent, all right? So they're not all-knowing, they're not all-present, and they're not all-powerful, okay? So that's obviously what makes God different than any other spirit or creature or spiritual being that there is, is, is that thing of God just makes him who he is. That makes him the Alpha and the Omega. That makes him the all-powerful, the almighty one, and that's why we bow to him, you know? Um, so keep that in mind that they are really amazing beings. 
um, they are made of heavenly substance. And uh, what I mean with that is just, like I said, they're made of a different fiber than we are, okay? Uh, and the only way we can kind of explain that is, is if you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 39 to 40. I'm just quickly going to touch on that. It says, uh, where Paul is kind of trying to explain to us, listen, what happens when you die and go to heaven? And he's trying to speak about your glorified heavenly body and your earthly body. And he's giving all of these examples and he makes a statement. He says, all flesh is not the same. Uh, there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also heavenly bodies, you know, and earthly bodies. But the glory and beauty of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory uh, of the earthly is, is another. So he's just trying to say, listen, and he's talking about all of creation, stars, all of that, angels, uh, you know, spirit beings, and he's saying, listen, there's a different glory, there's a different substance uh, that we are made of. Although we're all spirit, they don't have flesh at all, and therefore they, they're not us, right? They're not in the image and the likeness of God fully like we are, right? We have that different side to us that makes us um, different. Uh, the other thing is they are immortal, right? So angels are immortal. Um, Jesus said, Jesus mentions this in Luke 20, verse 36, and, and he says, and they cannot die again because they are immortal like the angels, okay? So that's Jesus speaking and saying, just remember, he's talking about us after we die. He says, remember that, that we cannot die again when we are resurrected. Uh, in the resurrection and with Christ, he's speaking about us when we, are, when we go into um, eternity uh, or, you know, when we lose the fleshly skin and we, we move on. And he says, like the angels, we will be immortal. That's why you'll, you'll see, even as we go along, and I'm not going to go into all of it, but you, you see that, you know, angels that, that, that was part of the rebellion, if you read the book of Jude and you look at verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, you'll see a lot of mention of, uh, and even in Second uh, Peter, Peter speaks about it, about the angels who were, went into rebellion and how they were imprisoned. Uh, and they will be imprisoned until eternity, until judgment day comes. And then in Revelation, you see how they will be uh, released into eternal damnation, uh, you know, with, with all the unbelievers and Satan and so on. So, so they are eternal, they are immortal beings, right? Um, are you guys still with me? Are you, are you okay? Right, if you have questions, or you can pop them in and we can try and answer them. Like, all right. um, the other thing about angels is, is like all things that God created, um, they have choice. Okay, so, so there's choice. Uh, remember, there's always two trees. Uh, there has always been two trees, and there's always going to be two trees until Jesus returns again, right? And what I mean with that, there's always choice. So they had choice uh, before, uh, before the garden was there, or that's a long topic and I don't need to get into that, but there's always been two trees. That's how Satan could fall, right? That's how Lucifer could fall from his tremendous glory to becoming what he is today. So, so there's always been choice, and they had choice. And just to give you a scripture on that, um, uh, where are we now? So Jude 1 verse 6, it says, And angels who did not keep their own designated place of power, but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he has kept in eternal chains under the thick gloom of utter darkness for judgment of the great day. 
So that's what I mentioned, that they're, they're eternal, they're, they're in chains, but you can also see that they left their first estate. They abandoned their original design, and that's what he speaks about there. Another verse that, that, that uh, explains that is 2 Peter 2, verse 4, where it says, uh, for if God did not even spare angels that sin, right? So they, they can choose to, to sin, but threw them into hell and sent them to pits of gloom to be kept there for judgment, right? So you see, again, Peter is referring to, it's similar to Jude 6, where he says, well, they left their first estate, they abandoned their place of authority, and then it speaks about how, how angels, you know, they sin. So, so they have choice, they're, they're beings with choice, because God works on choice, right? Isn't it amazing? It's kind of amazing to me that, that even angels have choice uh, when it comes to the Lord. Because again, love cannot exist where there's no free will, you know. So even for them, God has been looking for love. And it's not like they are, you know, beings that's controlled by him, but they actually choose uh, to stay with him, which is quite phenomenal to me that everything in the kingdom is choice, right? And that should be a good lesson for us in any way about, about everything. Um, uh, how many angels are there? A lot, all right? <laughs> there's plenty. Uh, Hebrews uh, 12, verse 22, we have a writer, right? You know, we're not sure who it is. It could be Barnabas. Some say it's Paul. Some even say it was a lady. I'm not sure who wrote Hebrews. Um, but it says, but ye, but ye have come to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and unto an innumerable company of angels. Right? So innumerable Um other translations, Revelation 5.11, it says it like this. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the voice of the living creatures and the elders. By the way, just that right there should make you realize that there's different kinds of beings in heaven, right? Because you have angels, you have living beings, you have elders. So it's, it's not that everything is an angel as well. There's different beings, there's different creatures in heaven, if I can put it like that. Anyway, and it says, and they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Other translations would say that 10,000 upon 10,000, right? And, uh, you know, in, in prophetic language, especially in the Hebrew uh, culture, like, the, like when they said a thousand or 10,000, that would be like us saying it's billion, you know, billions of billions or, you know, it's, it, that's kind of the language. It means it's just, just too much you can't really count it it's, it's just way out there so for the mathematicians you're going to want to go 10,000 by 10,000 that gives you 100 million yeah it could be uh, but but it's probably more right <laughs> but the idea is that you need to know that there's a lot of angels lots and lots and lots and that's really good news right that's really good news to us because that means you're not alone right there's help and uh, and there's lots of help to be honest you know it's not like we're stuck here and we need to figure out all of this by ourselves. God has sent help. And that's the good part about this. So there's innumerable angels, right? And with the fall, if you look at that whole story, a third of the angels um, fell with Satan. If you look at the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 12, it speaks about the dragon, which is a picture of Satan in that, in that story, how, he, how he, you know, he's, he wagged his tail and he pulled a third of the stars of heaven down with him. And that stars, that old picture, it's actually speaking about angels. So when he fell, a third of the angels followed him. So I, mean, you know, I don't know how many of those are, but the point is we are more than they are. So that's the good news, okay? So, so uh, we have more, um, 
more support than what he has, uh, which is awesome, and that should should encourage you. Okay, so that's just a little bit on on the origin of angels, just to give you this, you know, a quick glimpse of that, and just to kind of stretch your mind. And like I say, it's it's super interesting when you read this stuff, and and especially chapters like Ezekiel twenty eight, and, and maybe one day we'll go into that a little bit, but but not tonight, but where you actually see, you know, where you see a picture of where Lucifer, which is a cherubim, uh, Michael is one as well. He's a cherubim as well. We're not sure about Gabriel. But it never says that he is one, um, but, but it seems like he might be one. And, um, but, but anyway, we'll get into the kinds of angels later, but, but where you actually see how he walked and the glory in which he walked and how he walked in the sanctuaries of God and how he walked on the mountain of the Lord with all these precious stones underneath him. He had precious stones on him. I mean, so, and the cherubim, they are the guardians of the presence, right? They are glory angels. That's literally what they are. And you see this picture of this incredible being uh, that he was, but then how rebellion came into his heart. And how he said, but I want a throne that's higher than the throne of God. And I want to return to heaven. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's amazing because it actually, Isaiah 14, it says that he doesn't even want a throne in heaven equal to God. He wants to exalt himself higher, a throne higher than the throne in heaven. So the, the level of pride uh, that took you know, root in his heart is just actually, it's quite phenomenal and obviously sad. And, you know, it, it's just an interesting story. But... But it gives you a glimpse of the kind of glory that, that they walk in, you know. And, and even as you look in the rest of Scripture, Revelation, and you just see, man, these are incredible beings that God made. And uh, it's quite awesome to, 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 be, to have the privilege to partner with them, you know. And the amazing thing is they look at us and they think we're amazing, which is also fascinating. We'll get to that later. But they actually learn from us. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Peter writes about it. He says, they, they learn from us. They look because they don't understand. I think they look at us and they're like, I don't get it. Why, why do you like them so much, Jesus? They look really frail. <laughs> you know? and, and God looks at us and he sees glory and he sees how we're going to have dominion. And then it actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, Paul actually writes, he says, don't you know, like he's writing to the church, like, don't you know that you're going to judge angels one day? <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> No, Paul, I didn't know that. But anyway, we're actually going to judge them. And I think the angels might be going, we don't get it. <laughs> like, really, we don't get it, Lord. So, but they learn from us, which is fascinating, right? Isn't it? <laughs> I don't understand it. But anyway, they do. And uh, they're amazing. But, but they learn from us, which, which should, again, um, you know, remind you of how incredible we are actually as beings. Because I'm going to talk about them, and we're all going to be, wow, they're awesome. And, and it should be like that. Um, but then you realize that in Psalm 139, it actually says that nothing in creation looks like us. <laughs> yeah. It's like literally, God, God, you know, God says, I look at the stars and, you know, it's Psalm 19 as well. It says, I, I look at the stars. I look at all of creation. How, how the stars, you know, they declare your glory and the galaxy speaks your glory. And then it says, but who is man that you are mindful of him? And then David answers himself and he says, yet everything you've made, you've given unto man so that we can have dominion over it. That's phenomenal, right? So, so still in all of creation, we're the crown, we're the jewel of creation. 
And I don't think they understand it, the angels. I don't even think we understand it, right? I, I don't. Like, when you read this, you think, how is it even possible? But something about who we are, just God just delights in us. He just, just loves us. Isn't it amazing? He loves the race of Adam, you know? And he came to redeem Adam. Isn't it incredible? He sent the second Adam. So even in, with all our nonsense and the mess that we are, he, he deemed us worthy uh, for his son to die to redeem the Adamite race, whatever you want to call it. He actually thought that we're worth it, you know, because he sees something in us that outshines all of the angels. Isn't that incredible? You know, that's just fascinating to me. And um, uh, I see a question. I'm going to try and look at it. Whoa, that went wrong. Yeah. So I'm going to get to that question a little bit later, all right? So uh, we're going to answer that. So that's just to give you some sort of a glimpse at that. Um, I want to I wanna give you some scripture. Again, everything I'm doing now is scripture. Okay? So I, I'm, I'm trying not even to go into experiences or own things like that. It's just verse after verse after verse. I can, I, I can even make the notes available if you would like. I don't mind. Um, but it, it, when we speak about the appearance uh, of angels, what do they actually look like? Um, that's also interesting, just looking at scripture, what you see. And, and when I write here, uh, what I'm talking about now is I'm speaking about when angels actually manifested to man on the earth. Okay, so that's a very big distinction that I want to give you. I'm not talking about Zechariah seeing them in heaven or Ezekiel or, or John. I'm talking about when angels manifested to man on the earth, what that experience was like, what it looked like if, if we look at biblical accounts. So I want to give it to you because that might help you to kind of you know, just navigate your own life around this topic and how do I engage this, how does this work, all right? So, again, just make sure I'm, spe I'm not speaking about them in their full glory. I'm speaking about when they manifest on the earth to us, okay? So, one of the things that we see most of the time is that they, they're, a lot of times they're invisible, you know, obviously. And, and what I mean with that is um, that with the natural eyes, they couldn't be seen, you know, like when, uh, who was the guy on the donkey? Was it Balaam? Or Balak, I always switch the two around. Anyway, the prophet guy, Balaam, I think. Uh, when he was riding on his donkey, remember how the donkey, you know, got stubborn and didn't want to walk anymore, and he started smacking the thing. And, and I think the third time, the, the donkey started speaking to him. And he's like, I thought, well, basically my translation is, I thought you're the prophet. Why don't you see the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn and you don't want to stop? This thing's going to kill us. Right? And so invisible, they didn't see it, but the donkey sword, which yeah, hopefully in the prophetic, we're better off than that. But, but anyway, so that's the one part. So they didn't see them. Other times when, when, you, know, when you saw Elisha with his servant, when, when the, the army of Ben-Hadad came to invade that town and, the, and he couldn't see them. And, and uh, you know, Elisha just prayed this prayer. And he, remember he said to him, don't worry, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And his servant went, I don't know what tea you were drinking, but man, that must be good stuff because it doesn't seem like that to me. And then he says, Lord, just open his eyes that he can see. And then his eyes open and he see all these chariots and horsemen of fire all around the city, right? So they're invisible until, you know, we start seeing, right? So, so that, that's kind of what I'm trying to get to you there. Most of the time they came in the appearance of a man. And it's very interesting uh, 
in, in what I saw, and, and it's not like exhaustive, my study, obviously, but in what I saw, you never ever see an angel manifest on earth to man with wings, for instance. Never. That's never happened, right? They look like men when they manifest. And most of the time, they were manifested as a man. I'm talking about the sex, right? So they, so they didn't come as children or fat babies. <laughs> like, like all the pictures we see, they're not, they're not fat babies. Uh, I haven't seen a fat baby yet. And uh, so they're not that. They, they, they don't come as animals. They don't, that's not it. Although there are horses, definitely. But they don't manifest as a weird animal that starts speaking to you. That's not, kind of, that's not the way they manifest or present themselves to man. And I think it's similar as, as what Jesus did, how he humbled himself, emptied himself of his, godly, of his godly deity, his divinity, and he manifested himself as a man so that he can relate to us. I don't know if it's the same principle. It could be, but mostly when they come, it's like that. And uh, it's also interesting that I haven't, I mentioned this specifically. And not, I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. It's also, there's nowhere in scripture where an angel manifests himself as a woman or in the form of a woman to man, right? I'm not saying there's not female beings in heaven. There are, I'll, I'll show you later. But it's interesting when they manifested on earth, it was always as men. I'm not saying that they can't manifest in a female form. I, I just say that it's just interesting to me that, that I don't see that, right, uh, scripturally. And obviously God can do whatever he wants, but it is an interesting, uh, you know, scriptural precedent that I've seen. I know guys who've seen healing angels, very famous guys, that healing angels that's female and so on. Um, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not like it's one guy who saw it and nobody else. There's a there's witness to the story. But, but I do think in a, in a general manner, watch out for that. Although when we see them in heaven, there's definitely female beings. You know, so I, it's just maybe something to chew on a little bit. I don't know why, but, but, it, but it should, you know, just, just think about it. Um, they, they so resembled man that when Abram saw them in Genesis 18, he actually, he just thought it was men, right? Hebrews 13 verse, um, verse 2 says that, you know, remember to be kind to strangers because by doing so, you would, you know, you would entertain angels unaware. The point being that they would be so human to you that you don't even know they're angelic. Uh, in Acts chapter 12, where Peter um, was released out of prison by an angel, I remember the people were praying in the room, and uh, the, the, the girl Rhoda, she went to, um, you know, uh, uh, the, the girl Rhoda went, there was a knock at the door, and uh, she went out to, uh, to see who it is. And then, um, then Peter stood at the door, it's kind of phenomenal if you think of the story. Peter stood at the door, released from prison. So she sees him. I mean, they're praying for his release, like at the moment. Uh, you know, she, she opens the door, shuts the door, <laughs> leaves him outside, ran, ran into the prayer meeting and say, hey, Peter's angel is here, right? So I just want you to think about that for a minute. Uh, you know, what kind of world are you living in where you think it's more likely that Peter's angel will stand in front of the door than Peter himself. Okay? Just a thought. So I think 
it was quite amazing the amount of angelic activity that was going on in the early church. So much so that, you know, people actually thought it would rather be the angel than it would be Peter himself standing there. But also it speaks a little bit about um, just the appearance that they really did look like people. And over and over in scripture, you'll see examples of that. You know, Jesus, uh, you know, when Jesus was released from, um, you, you know, from the grave, angels were sitting there and they looked like men. So over and over, you see, they actually really look like us, okay? Um, I did mention that uh, they're, they're clothed most of the time. <laughs> Why I say it is because we always, um, you know, we always see these naked angels or naked angel babies. Nope, very, very clothed. Uh, they're clothed, you know, they actually have clothes on. Usually it's very white, radiant garments. It looks like lightning or or it could be different kind of clothes, war, warrior angels, you know, there's different kinds of ways. I'm just saying what's in scripture, right? But usually they're clothed. clothed. Um, angels can eat a meal with you, yeah? Uh, we see that in, um, in Genesis 18, verse 8, where, you know, where Abram actually prepared food for the angels. Um, in Psalm 78, verse 25, it says, um, man, man ate the bread of angels, God sent them provision in abundance. And that's kind of referring to the manna, you know. So it speaks of the food of angels and man ate the food of angels, which is quite interesting. So, so they can eat a meal, <laughs> you know. That's why it says, watch out, we entertain, because you might be entertaining angels unaware. Um, it actually, it's interesting, but, but angels actually have their own language because uh, Paul speaks about it. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, one very famous chapter, he says, if I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, right? But have not love, uh, you know, then I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So it's interesting that he mentions the language of angels. They actually have a way of communicating themselves. Um, they reflect the glory of God, um, of the Lord on their faces, you know. So there's something about their faces that shines. Most of the time when they appear and they kind of manifest themselves a little bit, there's like this glow off of them. Um, you remember when Stephen got, uh, when he got stoned, and, uh, you know, it says that when he looked up into heaven, his face shone like the face of an angel. So that's kind of just the, the idea of that, that shining face. Uh, Luke 2 verse 9, you see the same thing. They're shining, there's glory, there's light all around them. So you just kind of see that, that thing. I already mentioned that they don't have wings, but they can fly. Uh, you know, so you see that in Scripture, Daniel 9, Revelation 14, and so on. So... Um, and that's just to give you, again, just a little bit of a, uh, an idea of uh, just, the way they, um, just the way they appear in Scripture. And, it, and, and the point is it, it's so important that we have the scriptural reference because what, what happens with people? Why do we shut down the supernatural so often? We do it because we're afraid of deception. Uh, we're afraid that we're going to lose track and we're going to head into weird directions. And, you know, there's people that obviously have gone in weird directions. I mean, do yourself a favor and go and type in anything on, about angels on Google and see what you find. My goodness, it's bizarre. You know, it's from New Agers to Kabbalah to, you know, all kinds of weird religions and, and, and you know, just weird stuff. So, and, and then you start reading their stuff and it's, to be honest, some of it's really interesting. Uh, it's not true, but some of it is true because it's, it's the fake and there's fallen angels, you know, so they're encountering what on the other side, and obviously there's similarity because it's the same creator, okay? 
So that's why sometimes we, and it's important, that's why I started with the origin because we, we, we do it so often and, and with everything in the supernatural, remember God is the author and the, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He began everything. That's why the counterfeit so often looks so close to the real, right? Whether it's miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, all of those stuff, it's so close because it still has an imprint of God on it. It's just the wrong spirit that sits behind it. But the principles work the same. It's similar principles, except you don't have Jesus, right? You don't have the blood of Jesus that speaks. You know, I don't want to get into weird stuff, but why do you think that in the occult, their blood sacrifice is needed? Yeah? Where's the principle come from? It's, the principle is a principle that it's spiritual laws that God put into place, and they are, still, they are working with those laws, trying to find access to the realm of the spirit, and they have access to a wrong realm, a different realm, but, but, but why, why is there blood needed in this thing? Well, the same is for us. We need the blood of Christ. Otherwise, all of these things are closed for us. Agree? That's what salvation did. It opened that realm. It, it restored us to the glory that we had before. So everything is counterfeited. And, and that's why we, we need to be uh, versed in Scripture so that we can actually see the difference because what has happened is we heard angels and we say, oh, it's bad, right? Because there's a new ager that's talking about guardian angels and she's getting purple favors and, you know, whatever is happening in her world. And now we go, okay, but if you see that in a Christian context, it has to be bad. No, it, it's not true, right? It, it's just not true because the origin is the same. It, it, it started with God. They deviated in the different directions. They're in, in a different realm, but it's the counterfeit of what we're having. And, but when we have a scriptural foundation, we can look at this stuff and we can discern so easily what's good and what's bad and what's evil and, you know, sort the thing out for ourselves without getting lost and confused about the whole topic. Does it make sense? And, and like I say, it's fascinating. Just, I mean, everything I'm speaking to you at the moment is just scripture. I haven't spoken of one encounter of what I've seen. I, I mean, I don't even have to. We can just talk about this and that's enough, right? Because it's actually in the Bible. The stuff that they saw, how, how the angels looked, how they interacted, what they did. All of it is right there in Scripture, you know. And once we just dig into that, we're solid and we're firm and we're on a good place, uh, you know, rooted and, and, and grounded in the Word, and we can move forward. And that's going to help us to not get confused and not get caught up in a bunch of weird things, right? But to also not cut ourselves off, um, you know, from, from, from a blessing, that, that's available to us as sons and daughters uh, of God. Sorry, guys, I just want to ask, if you want to send messages, you can just send them to Vessel uh, because I get distracted by seeing them and then I, you know, I kind of lose my track here. So just you're welcome to private message Vessel. He can, he can help you guys out. Um, so that's just a, a thought again. So scripture is just so awesome. It's so rich. It's so amazing. And when we read it, there's just so much to discover. And, you know, Many of us, many of you, we're all, we've been born again for a while. Many of you have been born again much longer than I have probably. But again, you keep reading and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this. And you see something that you haven't seen before and it's just amazing, right? But it's in the word. So I want to encourage you guys as well tonight. The, the, the idea is to get you hungry to search the scriptures for yourself. Just see what's in there, you know, 
Uh, just see what's going on in there. Just discover for yourself. What does God say about angels? What do you see in the Word about it? I could be wrong. My interpretation could be wrong. But I'm just trying to throw it out there. All right. So, um, so that was just the way they, they manifest. And, uh, you know, anyway, we're, we're going to get into that, that stuff a little bit later. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the function uh, of angels, all right? So what are their functions, uh, you know, in the kingdom? Because that's important because at the end of the day, why are we talking about this? We don't understand that part, right? So there's a, there's a couple of things that I see. And first I want to speak about their relationship to God, uh, which is obviously their first priority, right? Uh, just like us, the first priority is towards the Lord and, and, and it's, you know, serving His purpose and His desire for, for creation. Um, so Psalm 103, verse 20 to 21, it says, Bless the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His command, uh, commandments. Obey the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, which is another way of speaking of angels, the Lord of hosts, that's speaking about the angels. You is serving and do his will. So that's just a very clear picture for you quickly of what they're supposed to do. So it says that they, they do his commandments. They act upon the word and the will of the Lord. They obey his voice and they obey his word. So angels, they are the agents that actually establish what God is doing through spoken words. So they are the messengers. Remember the, the word, the most common word for angels is the word malak, the Hebrew word malak, which means quite simply messenger, right? So they are messengers. That's what they are in their essence. They are messengers. So they bring messages. They, they listen. And, and those messages are, are spoken messages. It's visions. It's dreams, right? If you look at the book of Daniel, we're going to get into those things. I mean, they, they actually release dreams. They make prophetic decrees. They, they warn us. There's just a, a ton of things. We're getting to that now. But they are mainly messengers who act on the word of the Lord. There's a big key, by the way, right there for activating the angelic, right, is to have the word of the Lord in your mouth because they act on the word of the Lord, right? So when we do that, that's so important because that actually starts activating it. That's why we need to be rich in the word. But they, they, so they, they worship God. They are worshipers. Lord, bless, bless the Lord, all you, his angels, right? So they are, they are constantly in worship. It's part of their job description, but it's also part of their desire. They want to worship God, right? So it's the praise. It's the worship that they bring before the Lord. They act on his word and they, they live that out. And uh, praise and worship, you can see all throughout scripture, how they're involved in that. Psalm 148 verse 2 is an example where... <laughs> It's kind of funny because David actually commands them to, to praise the Lord, which is quite interesting. David's like, oh, you his angels, praise the Lord. It's kind of funny. I don't know if he just felt they didn't do a good enough job because he was super excited. <laughs> He's just like, come on, guys. Are you not seeing what I'm seeing? Praise him, you know. Uh, Revelation 5, verse 11 and 12, you also see the picture of how the myriads and myriads of angels, how they just fall before the throne and they just worship. And it's this constant worship that just arises um, from their mouths and from their lips, you know. Um, uh, I met a guy, Franz, um, he was raised from the dead. So he was dead a couple of hours. I'm not exactly sure how long. And when he describes his experience in heaven while he was there, it's just phenomenal, you know. He said he was standing far off and he saw this mountain. And on the mountain there was great light coming from the mountain and he knew that's where, where God is seated, where the throne is seated. And he said, as he came closer, all that he heard was the roar of worship. Isn't that amazing? 
He said it was just like the, the sound of many rushing waters, literally. He said that's what it sounds like. It's just like this ocean just, you know, just roaring and rumbling up as they just worship. And it's just giving worship to God constantly. So can you imagine the kind of atmosphere that angels create through this worship? And if we can learn to worship in spirit and truth, right, we actually activate them on the earth as well. And we become partners in worship in that moment. And can, you under, can you imagine the, 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 the levels of glory that we release when we start singing the song of heaven that they're singing? And we start partnering with that. And, and that's truly when heaven and earth starts aligning. You know? That's why worship is such a massive thing in our everyday life. Our worship sessions with the Lord. You know, whether that be singing or just praising Him in word or in speech or thanksgiving. Because as we do that, we literally, we, we, it's like heaven is doing that in any way. But when we do it, it's like these two worlds come into alignment. And that glory that's in heaven starts filling the earth. And the glory that's on the earth starts radiating and it's moving through us. And that's when worship becomes heavenly, right? You all know what I'm talking about. There's worship. And then there's those moments where God moves into the room and this glory presence fills the room. And that's when heaven and earth starts worshiping together, right? I'm going to throw the sport in there. I didn't think I'm going to say it, but let's say it anyway. You understand that, that there's only one body, right? There's one body of the Lord. There's, I mean, there's lots of denominations, but there's one true church. There's not, you know, domina- denominations is our way of, I don't know, organizing the world or whatever you want to call it, good, bad, I don't know. But, but, but there's one church, right? And when you think of one church, if you look at Hebrews 12, it says we have come to Mount Zion, the mountain of the living Lord, right? Where the host of heaven is, where the spirits, the, the, the souls, the spirits of those who were made righteous are right now. So who's that speaking about? And speaking about the cloud of witnesses, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So, so the, those who departed, that's already in heaven, right? They are actually worshiping in front of the throne as well. And you see that all throughout Scripture, Revelation 4, Revelation 6, Revelation 8. You keep seeing how heaven worships God as well. So here's my point. We are not divided. The body is not divided. And what I mean, it's not like there's a heavenly body and an earthly body, but in Christ we are one body because he's the head of the body, heaven and earth. So the true church, right, is not just on earth, but it's earth and heaven. Does it make sense what I'm saying, right? So it's when we actually worship in spirit and truth, it's these two worlds that collide or partner, and that's the spirit and truth, the worship that actually that's, that's released, that shapes the atmosphere around us, right? So, so I want you to keep that in mind, that, that, that it's, it's these two worlds coming together. That's why Jesus said, let my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So it's, it's these coming together that creates a different power on the earth. But we actually, that's why we need to be sensitive and we, we need to be listening and we need to worship in freedom. And as we worship, they worship. And as they worship, you know, we can worship together. Does that make sense a little bit to you guys? So it's not a divided body, but it's a united body in the Lord, right? Why do we speak about angels? Because they're not separate. It's one kingdom. All right, it's the same. We're in the same kingdom. They are in the same kingdom that we are in, 
those who have died and that are believers, they're on the same kingdom that we are in. They're just in a different form right now, but we all desire the same thing, and that's the worship and the glory of the Lord, right? And if we can understand that, man, it's just exciting, right? It's not to be weird. It's not to get funny about it. It's just keep in mind that uh, here's a great example. The song of Moses uh, that he sang, I think it's Exodus chapter 15, remember? Uh, where, where I think it's 15, where he sings the song. It's after they've crossed the Red Sea. It's just amazing. So the song, Moses writes this prophetic song, and they're singing and worshiping. And then in, in somewhere in Revelation, I'm not exactly sure. I, I didn't check where in Revelation. I think it I could be chapter 8, but you can go and search it for yourself. You actually see that it says that the angels are singing the song of Moses. Isn't that phenomenal? So Moses released worship, and heaven is singing it. Or heaven released worship and Moses heard it and he started singing. I don't know which way it goes. But that, that's phenomenal, right? To think that we can have this interaction and we can actually worship the Lord together. And that's why songs like just singing about his holiness sometimes is so powerful because that's what they're singing, right? Songs just praising his might is so powerful because that's what they're singing. But they're not singing about their problems in heaven right now. <laughs> right? They're not. So we so often, you know, it's, I, was driving with, um, you know, I was driving with David Hogan one day uh, in, in America, Mexico, in America and uh, he was listening to this gospel song. I, I laughed so much. And it's a great song. I love this song. But, but at some point the song goes, are you hurting? Are you weary? Are you tired? You know, something like that. I remember he just kind of went back like that. He said, I don't know who we're talking about. We're not talking about me. That's not me. I'm not weary. I am an overcomer. He's just kind of going at it. And it was such a cool picture because, you know, in a way we can sometimes moan so much as we worship instead of starting to sing about who we actually are according to what he says. And as we do that, that's partnership with heaven, right? That's how you bring the throne into the room. Anyway, I didn't want to talk about that, but I did. So that was awesome. I enjoyed it. All right. Angels receive our prayers and they, represent, they present them to the Lord. That's another one of their functions as they serve the Lord. Uh, Revelation chapter 8 speaks about it. Revelation chapter 5 speaks about it as well. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it because I want to see if we can land this thing in one night, right? So it speaks about all of these things, how they capture it, and it's the harp and bowl thing where they bring the incense, they bring it and they offer it before the Lord, and the incense is the prayers uh, of the saints, right? So they actually listen when you pray. Um, I'll never forget it. I was teaching one night at a prophetic school um, in a church in Pretoria. And I uh, can't remember what the topic was, but uh, we were having fun. And I was just really an awesome presence of the Lord in the place. And, uh, and after I finished praying for people, this one lady came up to me and she said, listen, I just want to tell you something. And I saw she's in and out of the room the whole time, you know, kind of not understanding what the, what the deal was. And she goes, listen, I... While you were speaking, I kept seeing these angels. There's one angel specifically. And every time as you spoke, he would come and he would take your words and he took it to the throne and he presented it to the Lord, right? And then he would come back again and he would take your words and he would take it up. And that wasn't as much about intercession, but just the fact that our words are recorded. There's actually scribe angels that writes down everything that we see. That's why Jesus says not even one idle word, right? Not even one idle word. You, you need to repent of your words because it's actually recorded in heaven. These angels are scribing. They're, they're writing down what we're doing. The same with our prayers. They take our prayers and they present them to the Lord as incense, as an offering to God. 
So angels are, are part, part of that process as well. Um, angels uh, are guardians. So um, you'll see in Genesis chapter 3, you see a cherubim mentioned there for the first time. Uh, they guarded the way of the tree of life, right? So they actually guarded uh, that, that axis. Um, they guard the abyss and the Euphrates, if, if you look at the book of Revelation. Um, they guard some of the places or, or those angels that are in prison and in chain, they actually guard them. Um, they're guardians of the glory, right? They actually they, they guard the glory. That's what the cherubim does. That's why you see them uh, on, on the Ark of the Covenant. You'll see the cherubim that stands over the mercy seat. So because the, the mercy seat is where the glory would, would manifest, right? And they, they'll guard that, um, you know, so, so that's also part of their function. They, they actually protect the presence of the Lord. And it's quite interesting. As, as we go on, you're going to see more of that. But, but they are absolutely intrigued and consumed with the presence of God and the maintenance or hosting it well, uh, which is fascinating. They have such a value for the presence. And we could probably learn a little bit about that, how they guard the presence. And it's their job to guard the presence, how God actually appointed beings to guard the presence. That should really say something to us about a value system that we're supposed to have. Because it's not about what angels are doing. It's about what God wants them to do, which should give us some sort of an idea of the order and the structure of the kingdom. You know? You actually see what he values, and we should align ourselves with that. The presence and the glory is important. You know, it's massively important to the Lord. And if angels were made to guard that, how should we behave when it comes to the presence? You know, we should, we should value it. We should be different uh, when it comes to that. Let me grab some more. Um, other functions that we see in, in scriptures, they're actually they are gatekeepers. Um, you see in Revelation 21 that they actually stand at the gates of the New Jerusalem. And in many places they are, even in some of the experiences I've, I've had, you, you'll find an a, a angel at a door or a gate or whatever place in heaven. Uh, so they watch over that. They watch over what's coming in and what's coming out. And that's kind of their job as well. Um, in Zechariah 1, you see that they scout the earth. Uh, so they're going to and throw the earth and reporting back to God. Um, they are obviously very involved uh, in, in, in the, the second coming of the Lord, in the judgment, uh, in the separation. Uh, you know, they're super involved in that. They, they, they separate the tares and the weeds. They separate the goat and the sheep nations. They are with him when he comes. So they're very involved in, in that as well. Angels love salvation. Uh, Luke, Luke 15, 10 says that they rejoice when even one is saved. You know, so they're, they're into the harvest, which is awesome. Um, they, they are transporters of God's throne, right? Because you'll often see in Scripture that, that he rides on the chariots, right? So God actually moves on them, right? So he, the, the chariots of heaven, which is angelic beings, he actually rides on them and he moves on them. Uh, the, the throne, if you look at Ezekiel, it's actually on top of the cherubim and the wheel within the wheel. So that's kind of how the throne moves around as well. So it's interesting how, how they function uh, in that sense. So that's, that's just when it comes to their you know, ministry towards the Lord. There's a lot of other things as well that they're doing, but that's just some of the things I picked up quickly. Um, then quickly, let's look at their relationship to man. So 
Hebrews 1.14 is obviously one of the big scriptures that we have on this, right? Is, is where it says, what, um, what roles then do the angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God to serve those who are going to be saved. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> we have help, right? I mean, that's why I also say to me, we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You have the angels. You have all of heaven backing you. You have the Word of God. We really have a lot counting for us, right? And if we can wake up to that reality, we're going to walk around a little bit more confident. But they really are ministering spirits unto us, right? They minister unto the Lord, as I just mentioned. But he, one of the tasks that he's given them is to help us, to assist us in accomplishing his purpose on the earth. And that should really encourage you guys, right? That there's actually angels that's always, always working around your life. Isn't that phenomenal? Right? Even as you're sitting right now, there's angelic activity around you. Whether you can see it or not, it's there. Because that's just the way it is, right? They are present. Uh, God assigns them. I can promise you just because we're talking about them, it's being activated. That's what happens, right? That's why we talk about this stuff, because you activate it. The more you speak about it, the more they come, right? So it's already in your room. Some of you would have felt that even as I'm speaking, I don't want to freak out the whole time, but every, every now and again I can speak. I can just feel, I can feel that angelic presence up and down in, in the room as I speak. It, it's there. It's amazing how they want to serve us because God asks them to, and they obey the word of the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 20 and 21, right? And there's angels surrounding us. There's angels over your calling. There's angels that needs to partner with that. There's angels partnering with your provision. There's angels partnering with your marriage, right? There's like a lot going on in our lives and around us. Some of us, we don't see it. I get to see it sometimes, not as much as I would like. I wish I could see it more. But it's real, right? And that's such an encouragement to us. And it should be that, that God, he really wants to help us, right? And he's really, he's, he sent these amazing beings to say, listen, uh, you know, angels, these guys are going to need help. So just, I'm just going to release you, right? Why? Because there's a spirit war over our lives, right? It's a spiritual war that's going on constantly and it never stops. So they never stop, right? So they are ministering spirits unto us. Isn't that encouraging? That's awesome, right? They're ministering spirits unto us. There's angels wanting to minister to you. Just like they brought food to Elijah, they can do that to you as well, right? Remember Elijah, when he was tired after he outran um, Jezebel's uh, chariot? I mean, how, how did that happen? I don't know. Anyway, he was really tired, was really hungry. Then the angel brought him some food, and he ate twice, or three times he ate, and, it was like, and then he had enough food for 40 days. <laughs> How cool is that, right? So that, that worked for him. So, I mean, I mean they, can, they can, I mean, Bobby Connor, I don't know, do you guys know Bobby Connor? Man, he's hilarious. I don't know, he's got some of the most scary stories, funniest stories I've ever heard. And he said one night, he was just so exhausted, ministering flat out for two weeks, and I was just tired, and he got home, and he's lying on his bed, and, and his feet are just, you know, killing him. And he's lying in his bed and he's ready to fall asleep. And he's just like, oh man, I would just love a foot rub right now. Just the foot massage would be really great. I hate massages, but obviously he's like, yes, I would like that. So he's falling asleep. And the next minute he wakes up and there's somebody sitting, rubbing his feet physically. And he jumps up and he screams and he's like, what in the world? 
And the angel got so scared that the angel scares back. The angel's freaking out and everybody's freaking out. He's like, what's happening? And the Lord says, well, you wanted help, so I sent you some, right? Oh, isn't that awesome? Okay. So the point is they want to help, right? I haven't had a food rub from an angel yet. I wouldn't, well, my wife, man, she's not listening. I should get points for that one right there. But anyway, I haven't had a food rub from a real angel, well, angel, angel yet. So... But, but do you get how practical it gets? I have a friend. He's not a famous guy. You've probably never heard of him in your life. Awesome guy. He was a missionary. Um, uh, in, he did missions work in Namibia and stuff. And one day he was, he was driving. He was preaching. And he was desert. It's hot. He didn't have food for a while. And he actually sat. And he was, he was just kind of resting under a tree. I actually think he drove with a horse, if I remember the story right. Real hardcore mission story. And he went and he said, oh, man, Lord, I would just... I would just love to have the way his grandma made buddhavors and eggs. That, that, for some, that just, you know, he thought, oh, that would just be the coolest thing in the world. I can have some buddhavors and eggs the way grandma made it. It was just kind of sitting like that. The next minute he opens up his eyes and on a rock next to him, buddhavors and eggs like grandma made it. I mean, come on, man. How cool is that, right? So listen, angels are awesome and they're helpers from God. And they are, isn't it awesome? They're doing what's in the heart of the Father and they're manifesting it unto us, right? They're manifesting it unto us. So uh, they, they strengthen the saints. I just mentioned uh, Elijah's story. I mentioned earlier Jesus uh, when he was tired after the 40-day fast and, you know, the, the, the run-in with, with the, the temptation of, of the devil and angels came and ministered unto him. Isn't that phenomenal? And listen, I want to tell you something. You might not see it, I don't see it always, maybe, but it's happening, right? When you're tired and you're just in the Lord, you go, Lord, just, just minister to me. He's going to release his ministering spirits, right? And, and that's why you get up full of energy the next day, maybe. Or God's just refreshed us. So he wants to strengthen us. He wants to refresh us, and he can use them as well, right? Angels bring revelation, right? And so, so I mean, there's numerous, numerous, numerous accounts of this. Again, I'm not going to go into all the verses because I'm probably going to kill you if we do that. But it, it's, it's, it's simple verses like, like 2 Kings chapter 1 um, where it was, uh, you know, was it Elijah still? That, you know, he, where, remember he was sitting on the mountain and the king sent the soldiers, the groups of 50, remember, to, to capture him because the king wanted to speak to him. And uh, the first group came and they said, the king said, you need to come. And, and Elijah kind of laughed at them. <laughs> saying, you know, you're not the boss of me, kind of a deal. And then the fire fell and all 50 died. And then another 50 came and the same thing happened. And the third 50 came and they're just like, you know, I can just see the soldier because obviously this guy started to make the calculation that nobody's coming back that was sent. So the poor captain of this legion, he was going, oh, this is going to suck, right? And he walks up and he's kind of like, please, please, please. That's, you know, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger, right? And then an angel came to Elijah and the angel said, go with him. That was the revelation. It was one sentence. But you get that, that God sent an angel to say that, which is strange, right? Uh, uh, he could have said it himself. Why did he use the angel? I don't know, but he did, right? Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel had dreams and then Gabriel would come and give the explanation to him. Right? So that's phenomenal. Gabriel actually would give him the interpretation of the dream. Uh, which was also fascinating, you know. Uh, Joseph, the father of Jesus, 
had revelatory dreams that was warnings that said, listen, you need to firstly, um, you, you know, uh, you can marry, you, you can marry, marry. All right. Yeah. She, uh, the, the child she's with is really from me. She's not lying to you. Right. So that revelation was pretty important to Joseph and to the future of, you know, the whole gospel story. Uh, another time, the angel came in a dream and it said to Joseph, you need to pack up your bags and leave, go to Egypt because, you know, Jesus will be killed unless you go. The baby will be killed. So it, it's, and, and it's not small moments in history that angels uh, came with dreams that changed the course of an event. It's, it's radically important moments that God used angels. So angels are really important. The messages that they brought literally changed the course of the gospel. Uh, throughout the history of, of the Bible, it happened to Paul where angels would come and speak to him and give them directions. Um, so over and over, you see how angels would come and bring revelation into certain uh, situations and circumstances, and they gave understanding even when man didn't have it after dreams or revelations they received from the Lord. Um, angels declare and they make announcements. So you see that all throughout the book of Revelation. And even in the book of Luke, where, where Jesus was born and the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field and they, they announced the good tidings of the Lord. Um, Gabriel plays a massive role in that. Uh, so whenever Gabriel appears, it, it's history-changing events that takes place after that. Right? So when Gabriel shows up, he, he's like a high-level, like I said, I think he's an archangel. We're not sure, but, but he's a high-level angelic being. So when he speaks, when God sends in, it's massive things that's going to happen. Think about John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist, uh, the birth of Jesus, all announced by Daniel. The stories in, in the book of Daniel, uh, all announced by Gabriel, sorry. So, so, you know, he's an incredibly powerful being. And when he speaks, it, it alters uh, kind of the history of, of the world. So, so they bring revelation, they, they, they announce new tidings, they declare new things, and, and that's what makes them really interesting as well. Uh, angels actually delivered the law of Moses, uh, so God wrote on the tablets, but angels were super involved. There's tons of scriptures about it, how the angels part partnered, uh, Deuteronomy 33, verse 2, Psalm 68, 17. So, you know, lots of references to that. Um, angels come uh, in answer to prayers, right? So... We all know that. I guess we should know that. But, but the scriptural references, again, I mentioned Acts chapter 12. I remember how they pr prayed for the release of Peter out of prison. And then God sent an angel to release him out of prison. Right? So, so sometimes God will answer our prayers um, by releasing the angelic and actually to partner in bringing the breakthrough. So that was one case. Uh, there's plenty. Where's the other ones? Uh, um, Luke twenty-two forty-three where Jesus was praying and angels came to comfort him because what was Jesus' prayer? Uh, he didn't ask for deliverance from, from the cross. He, he didn't want to be released from the cross. Uh, what he was asking for is just, just strengthen me. And what did God do? He sent angels to strengthen him. So again, you see that partnership between our prayers and, and what God releases. Also, Jesus speaks later on, and, and that's in Matthew 26, where he says to, uh, where he says to Pilate, because Pilate was kind of saying, listen, don't you know who I am? And Jesus is like, don't you know who I am? And he's like, don't you know that I can pray one prayer and legions of angels? He was actually, another translation says that the angels are already standing on the mountains. The chariots are standing and they need one word from me and they'll come, you know. 
Uh, and, and Jesus was saying, well, that's not the way this is going to go. So the point again being that, that the prayers, the words of the Lord in our mouth activates them. So, so they, they're actually the answer to prayer. Um, again, Daniel as well, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 10, where, where the angel would come. And Michael, in one instance, was, was held up as well. Uh, Gabriel came as well. So um, another thing, Angel, I'm going to wrap it up in a minute. So are you guys alive still? Can I go a little bit more? Okay. It's a lot of information, so I don't want to kill you, okay? Uh, angels receive departed saints, all right? So Luke 16, 22, they actually receive the dead and they take them to heaven. Uh, angels can bring divine connections uh, regarding the gospel, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is praying, an angel appears to him and says, call for Peter. Peter is praying, he falls into a trance, and you know, and God says, listen, you need to go to this guy, he's going to come to you. So the angel actually brought the connection between Cornelius and Peter, and that kind of brought it with the trance, this whole heavenly experience uh, that brought that whole thing together. Um, angels, uh, you know, in the Bible, stirred the waters of healing. John chapter 5, verse 4, the angel that stirred the pool of Bethesda. So there's something about the wells of healing, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about practical stuff later. Um, uh, so angels do that as well. Like I mentioned earlier, we will judge angels one day. That's just kind of mind-blowing, but, but we will. That's First uh, Corinthians 6, verse 2 to 3. Um, uh, and then I also mentioned that angels, they minister to us, but they also learn from us. And the scriptures you can look at for that is First Peter 1, verse 12, and Ephesians 3, verse 10, right? So that's amazing because it says that we actually we make known the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly realm. That includes angels, demons, fallen angels. It's, it's incredible concept that we actually make known the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God. We make it known in the spirit realm. And that's what's fascinating about this whole picture that, that I struggle to understand, but it's these incredible beings, yet we are the ones with the salvation story that manifested to all of creation. Like they learn from us about these things. First uh, Peter one twelve says that angels long, they long to learn from us the story of salvation, which is phenomenal. So, so there's something that we we manifest that we that we release that they don't get. They, they don't have that right. And um, so I wanted to. I think I'm going to stop here for tonight because it's a lot of information. And I want to get to the more practical stuff next week. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But this is just to really give you a bit of a, a groundwork uh, and a foundation. Because we're going to start talking about how do you actually activate angels around you? How do, can you discern them? You know, all those kind of things, uh, which, is, which is really fun. Um, because um, once, you, once you start... Uh, once you start looking into those things, it's, it gets really exciting. And that's where I want to get to, but I wanted to lay this foundation. Um, we're going to touch on, on angels' role in spiritual warfare next week, which is also phenomenal. Uh, if you start looking at how involved they are over the war, over nations, um, you know, we often think, I'm going to leave you with this, and I, I think basically you said there's a couple of questions, so we can maybe look at that tonight. Um, but if you, if you think of the idea that, uh, you know, Paul, Paul writes in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, principalities, thrones, dominions, all of those things. And, and what Paul is actually doing is giving us a, a little insight 
into the 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 order of the demonic realm, right? Because it's principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, right? And he's actually giving us a view into an order system that there's in the demonic realm. But again, you need to remember that everything they have, they took from us. So we have principalities, powers, rules, dominions, and thrones, right? On the angelic order. So if there's a demonic principality over a continent or over a city or a region, there's an angelic principality as well, right? So, so you have to understand that, that, that it's super organized, uh, the realm of heaven, and even the demonic is organized, but so much more the angelic. And what they have, they actually took from us once again. So then when you start talking about spiritual warfare, it's, it's super interesting just to see their involvement. And I don't want to get into uh, too much of the, the warfare stuff, but it is very interesting to start seeing how, how involved they are uh, in what's happening in the world, you know, and how angels are warring with us uh, in the heavenlies over nations, over powers. Angels were involved in, in the rise and fall of leaders, principalities, uh, and kings in nations, if you look at scripture. So, so God has really used them in a mighty way. But tonight I just wanted to lay that foundation, right? I, I wish we could keep going, but I, I, it's going to be too long. If I start now, the rest is just going to take about as long as we did now, so I, I'll rather not start. Um, but it's just to give you a little bit of an insight about origin, uh, their relationship to us. And like I said, what I did so far is just Bible, right? I'm going to start mixing it up a little bit more with experiences as well, obviously with biblical uh, foundations, but that's what I want to get into next week because I really want to see all of us stepping into that a little bit more, uh, activating the angels around our lives a lot more. But even, like I said, even us just talking about it, there will be a stir already in the spirit. And it's like that angel who stirs the waters, you know, at the pool of Bethesda. So uh, um, what I want to do is I'm just going to pray into this and then I'm going to take some questions. Uh, Basil said there's a couple of questions. Um, if it's things that I'm going to answer next week, I'll just, you know, pass it on towards there and give you a little bit of a taste on, on the answer. But, but so we'll see how it goes. All right. Um, did it help you a little bit? Did, did, did you guys get something from it? Is it helpful? All right. Okay. Um, and let's just close our eyes and I'm just going to pray uh, for a minute. Lord, I want to thank you just for how amazing you are. I want to thank you for the glory of your incredible creation, Lord. Lord, even as I speak of this and it's just stirring my heart once again and how wonderful you made everything, Lord. Now, everything that you created is just filled with your glory, Lord. It's filled with heaven. It's filled with majesty because you breathed into it, Lord. Whether it is angels or creation, uh, like the natural creation, the world around us, or us, everything is filled with the majesty and the glory of the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, God. And Lord, what a blessing that is. And Lord, to think, even as we speak of these incredible beings that you've made to worship you and to serve us and help us in our commission, uh, in the Great Commission, Lord, that even you still look at us and you think we're the crown of creation. We are the glory of your creation, Lord, and it doesn't even make sense. So Lord, I want to thank you for the mystery of 
what you've made your kingdom to be like, the mystery of heaven, but much more of that, Lord, the mystery of what you made man. Well, what a mystery it is, who, that, that you would be mindful of us yet, yet. For a moment, you made us lower than the angels, but now in you, Jesus, we are exalted with you in heavenly places, and we are above. So, Lord, thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for your angels, and we ask that you'll release the angelic even around us, even as I pray now, so I can just feel that realm moving into the room. I thank you, Lord. I pray where people are sitting, wherever they feel it, wherever they don't feel it, but by faith that everybody will start just taking hold of the reality that the angels are being released around our lives now in the name of Jesus. They are always active, Lord. And I thank you. I worship you for that, Lord, that you send us help. Help us to understand. Help us to honor. Help us to balance things right in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. Did you guys feel that? I'm feeling it. Yay. <laughs> It's so nice because when, when, when they come, it's a different presence. I'm going to talk about that next week. But do you feel it's like pins and needles, but it's like soft? It feel, I don't know, the best description, it feels like a head massage. It's like just soft, like somebody's tickling your hair. That's what it feels like to me, at least. It's awesome. That's the angelic realm that moves in. So yay, God, more of it. <laughs> right, Vessel, what, what, what are those questions? Do I need to read them? Are you going to... Ask me, or what are we going to do? Um, I don't know. I can read them to you, or I can post them to you in the chat. Um, yeah, you can just read them. That's fine. Okay, let's quickly. I don't know if you want to go back to that uh, first one about um, does that mean we can instruct angels? Okay, I'm going to go into that next week a little bit more, but just short answer no, I don't think you should. Uh, so, yeah. There is a balance in it, and like I said, I'll go into more detail next week, but the point is, uh, God says in Psalm 91, He says, He gives His angels command regarding you. It, there's a big divide, actually, about it. Uh, some, both sides, I respect prophetic people that I've heard speak about it. Some say you can, and some say you can't, right? Uh, I believe it's safe to ask Him to release the angels, but I also believe that when, he, when his word is in your mouth, you actually activate them in any way. But I think it's probably proper to honor protocol uh, and to go to the king for the release of his angels, mm. right? That, that, that would be my approach. Uh, there is scripture that says you, you get command over them. Zechariah 3 speaks about it. Uh, so that's why I say I'm, I'm, there's good grounds for both. Personally, I'm more toward, I lean more towards uh, asking uh, to release them. Uh, yeah, maybe your angels assigned to you. Uh, I will be more comfortable releasing them. But that's just, you know, we'll get into detail on that next week. So I hope that helps a bit. Yeah. Um, then there's some nice, easy questions coming um, because it's an easy topic to talk on. Um, leaning, leading off of what you just said about uh, angels assigned to you, the one question that came in is a person will say, in some churches, a person will say that they have a particular angel. Is it true that a person can have one particular angel accompanying them all of the time? Could a main angel be assigned to a certain person? Yes. 
yes, I do believe you can have angels assigned to you. I think you can have more than one assigned to you. Uh, again, that's something I'll touch in more detail next week. But but with your with your calling, there's a. It's like uh, you know you you need resources to do your job. You know, if I if I give you a specific job. Uh, Whatever, if I ask you to build a house for me, I need to provide the tools, right? So I need to make sure you have everything you need to, to build. So the same with your calling. With your calling comes assistance. And the resources is obviously material stuff, but there's also angelic help. So yeah, I do believe you, you have, there's angels assigned to us. Uh, could be one specific one. Uh, you know, it could be more than one. Um, but obedience actually acts, activates that. And as you walk in obedience, those angels start coming into your into your life, and you become aware of them. I don't think they're always with you, but you know they're they're there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, why can some people see angels and others can't? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's like I said there's different accounts in the Bible where some saw them, some didn't. Uh, you know, some saw them and only later realized that. But but next week, also, I'm going to help you a little bit in that process because most of us have seen angels, you just don't know it. Yeah. Almost everybody has seen an angel, you just don't know it. You saw a glimpse of him, you saw something of him, but you, you're not trained to recognize it. And uh, it's actually, so next week, I actually really want to talk about how to use your senses to discern angels. And, uh, you know, I, I can use my own story because I didn't see a thing um, I didn't. I don't. You know, I, I see occasionally. I don't always see. I didn't see a thing, but I can tell you how that developed. So uh, some see it. Some will see easier than others, and that's okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean they're not there. They're still there. Uh, but you can. You'll get impressions, and like I said, most of us have seen angels. You just don't know. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, then the easiest question of all: um, angels that we read are part of Jewish, Jewish mysticism. Are they occultic angels? Then continues, it say, asks, is there Kabbalah occultic? Um, yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah, great. That's easy. All right, guys, that was fun. I'm going to pray for you. And <laughs> no. Now, the Kabbalah is not cool. Uh, it's, it's not, there's a lot of weirdness in there, so I don't agree with it. Uh, there's a lot of focus on things that's outside of Christ, you know, like the whole focus on the tree of life uh, in an unhealthy fashion and way. And um, I, I'm not an expert on it, but, but there's a lot of weirdness in it. And a lot of the Jewish mysticism, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of twisting in there as well. Again, it's hard if, if you look out of an Orthodox Jewish context and you don't have Jesus, things always get muddy. You know, so it's always going to be, it's always going to get weird. So it's, it's uh, you can definitely learn from some of the rab rabbinical writings and so on, but, it, but it's limited. You know, uh, we shouldn't need to go there, to be quite honest, because we... <laughs> We have the information that we need, and more, more than that, we have the spirit that can unveil these things to us. Um, so uh, a lot of the, the angels that comes out of Jewish mysticism, uh, a lot of it, I don't know. Uh, some of those writings are really interesting because, because of the, just the Hebrew history and understanding that they have. It's really interesting to, to see some of those things, and there is some good stuff in there. 
I don't know if you're referring to like a book of Enoch or something. I don't, I don't know. Are they referring to that? <laughs> Not specifically? It doesn't look like it. Okay, because like for instance, the book of Enoch, which, is a, um, uh, you know, which wasn't included in the Bible, but it's actually quoted a lot in scripture by Jesus. Jesus actually quotes the book of Enoch uh, at, at some points. Uh, Jude quotes the book of Enoch. There's plenty of quotes on the book of Enoch. A lot of people actually feel that it should have been in, in Scripture. So, but I mean, that's a weird kind of a conversation to start opening up what should be and what shouldn't be. But, but the book of Enoch's got lots of very interesting things about it. Again, we, we don't know how much of it is, is polluted, unfortunately, and that might be why they didn't put it in the Bible. That would be the reason behind it. But there's very interesting stuff, and especially about the angelic, there's lots of interesting stuff. I didn't read all of it. I scanned it uh, because it's really hard work to read that. And, I don't even think I know my Bible well enough, so I'm just going to stick to that, you know, <laughs> probably for the rest of my life. Um, but there's interesting things in there. And I know guys have used that and, and so on. So I'm not, uh, and I'm not completely against it because there is good information. The fact that Jesus quotes it is, is interesting. Uh, Jude quotes it. So, uh, but yeah, watch out for, for some of those things, you know, the, the Kabbalah, all of those things is dangerous stuff. I don't agree with it. Uh, it, it goes weird. And again, like I say, anything that you're going to read where Jesus is not central, just take it with a pinch of salt, uh, you know, just to avoid the injuries. Paul Johnson said it best. He's perfect theology, uh, Jesus. So stick with him. Uh, see what you see, what he said about it. And, and out, of, out of Jesus, interpret scripture, not the other way around. And, um, but like I say, there's interesting things in there, uh, interesting rabbinical teachings, especially pre-Christ. Uh, before he came, some of the stuff uh, that was really interesting. And uh, as Judaistic writings that, that people wrote, so it's interesting, but again, uh, you know, stick to the Bible. <laughs> Keep it simple. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.